Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you are here. Today, we're going to do a little kind of all over the place. We're going to do, it's not quite a Q&A, but it's a response to some of the comments that I've been getting on Instagram of some of the posts that I've been posting over there lately. If you're not following me, by the way, go check it out over at Nutrition for Littles, daily tips and strategies and posts and multiple times per day, um, helping you out over there. So if you're not already following me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles, definitely go check that out. If you are following me and you haven't seen my posts in a while, I think you can add me to like your favorites list, go tap a few of my posts and like them so they show up more often for you. It's always a tricky thing with Instagram. So it's so funny to me how people will literally follow me. But then when I post something, Instagram's like, you know who wants to see this? A stranger. A stranger wants to see this. Someone who's never followed you before. That's who wants to see this. Now, I'm not opposed to Instagram showing my stuff to new people and helping more families. But also, if someone followed me, I think there's a reason like they want to see my stuff, or at least that's true for me. When I follow someone, it's not like, it's not just for fun. Like I want to see the more, like more content from them. I want to see more information. I want to learn more from them. Um, But it's so funny how Instagram's like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and skip over these people who said they wanted to see it and go straight for the person who has no idea I'm coming and showing up in their feed. So if you follow me and you don't see my stuff, there is a way to get it to show up in your feed. Number one is by engaging with my content. So liking, saving, sharing, commenting is usually the biggest one that I see. Or if you watch my stories and reply to me in my stories, by ju- you can just say, hey, like you could, we could have like a secret code, like podcast sent me or something like that. You could put that in my DMs. And it will just like, if you reply to a story, I always find that anytime I reply to a story, then their stories are like first on my list, you know? Anyways, little Instagram hack. Okay, back to the content at hand. So I wanted to record this episode because I've gotten a few different comments on Instagram that I wanted to address. And I think a lot of people have the same question. So number one, we're going to talk a little bit about what to do when your little one is not happy with the food that you are serving. They're yelling no at you. They're yelling yucky. They're very upset about it. Um, Number two is we're really going to dive into what to do if they're only eating their safe food. So if you um, listen to the podcast, you know, I talk about offering a safe food. I talk about this on Instagram too, with whatever food you want them to eat. And a lot of parents go, well, what if they only eat the safe food, (laughs) right? What does that look like? And then we're also going to talk a little bit about what to do if your child is not happy with how you're handling picky eating. Like maybe some things have changed. You found my podcast, you took my course. Uh, Maybe you're, you know, following me on Instagram and you're like, yeah, we're going to start doing some things differently. And your child is not happy about that. So we're going to dive into that as well. So we're going to be a little all over the board. It's kind of like a Q&A. It's kind of not, but uh, I think it's just easier to have a little bit more in-depth conversations. I laugh with my husband because I, to save my life, I am horrible at texting and emailing and like just any sort of text response to anyone. Not really my game. I can do it, but I don't love it. Voice. I love like giving verbal responses to people. I love talking on the phone more than I like texting. I like um, voice memoing. If you will voice memo me, I will, 
I will blow up your world. I will voice memo you to the ends of the earth. Actually, probably a lot of you in my DMs notice that you'll send me a text question and I will voice memo you back because <laughs> it's so much easier. Although usually there are screaming children in the back. But that's why I love podcasts so much. I love that I can go a little bit deeper. Look at we can just like shoot the stuff right together for the first five minutes of this podcast because I love chatting. I just love chatting with you. I love connecting with you that way. I think it's so much more fun than writing like a big long text response. So some of these comments have come in and I've I've answered them. I've responded, but it's so much easier when I'm just talking through it. So that's what this podcast is for. Okay, back to the addition, or the original premise here. So number one is if some if your child is very upset with what you're making. This used to stress me out so much with my firstborn son. He would walk by the kitchen or smell something I was making and he'd go, what are you making for dinner? What's that? You know, or in little toddler speak, like, mommy, what's that? You know, <laughs> so cute. And I would tell him and he would go, Ugh, yuck, ew, I don't like that. I don't want that. And like immediately start getting upset over the meal. And so I would dread having him walk back <laughs> past the kitchen. I would literally like hide what I was trying to chop or move something and like present like I would chop the thing that I knew that he would like, like let's say bananas or something close to the edge of the counter so he could see that but not really show him like the spaghetti that I had going or whatever it was. And so I just remember this so much. And so I encourage you, there's a few different ways you can handle this, right? And I think a lot of parents end up going the route of hey, like that's rude. That's unacceptable. We don't talk that way, right? We say this instead. You can say this. You can say that. Mommy's been cooking. You know, it's been hard work, yada, yada. We go down the route of like almost like guilt, but also trying to teach our kids respect. Like we we want them to be respectful. If they smell something someone's cooking, it's not polite. Like we can all agree it is not polite for anyone to just start complaining about what they smell, right? And so I encourage you, and I 100% am all for politeness. And that is something now that my son is eight. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe he's eight we are working on, right? We are continuously working on being polite. This is not a very effective tactic to take with a two, three, four, even five or six-year-old. Their brains literally are not mature enough. Now, that does not mean you let it slide. That does not mean you encourage it or anything like that. What it means is this is not a valid reason to say, hey, like I've been working in the kitchen all day, so you will eat this food, (laughs) right? Like using guilt in that tactic to get them to eat is not going to be an effective method. However, we can say here are some things that you can say about the food, right? We can set it we can set a a standard for how they can speak. So instead of saying what not to say, which is very hard for kids to understand, even hard for adults to understand, we can tell them what they can say. Next time, you know, something you might say to them, you might say, "Hey, next time you can just say interesting." Oh, that's interesting, right? Like that is much more polite than ew, yuck, I don't want that. I don't like that. Or you can say something along the lines of like, hmm, I'm not sure about that yet. Right? So these are things that I've taught my kids to say when they smell something, when they see something, when they're not sure about something is to literally say, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) And it sounds so like simple, but it really does work to just replace their language with how you would like them to speak to you. Now we need to keep our expectations in check. We can't say, Instead of saying, ew, yuck, I don't want that, please say, yum, mom, thank you so much for working so hard on making me a delicious meal. I can't wait to try it, right? Like that is our expectations are way pie in the sky. So even if we can just train them and teach them how to have like a neutral energy towards the food, that is a great first place. And again, we're not teaching them politeness in a day. 
no one has learned politeness in a day, right? What it takes time and it takes energy and it takes uh, compounding experiences. And so I do want to encourage you as a mom of an eight year old now, it does take time, but it does work. And you're not going to send like a rude child out into the world by doing this at a young age. The other thing that I encourage you to do in this situation is to literally not respond. You can just say, hmm, or, oh, I've heard you, and then redirect. So we can acknowledge that they exist, acknowledge that they said something, and redirect. We do not have to engage. We do not have to get into a battle. We don't even have to make it a teaching point. In fact, in some cases, in a lot of cases, I would recommend not discussing it right then and there, commenting, making some sort of like acknowledgement that they spoke, redirect them towards something else. After the mealtime, we can circle back to it and say, hey, do you remember when mommy was cooking and you yelled yucky at mommy cutting up onions or whatever? Then that is the time that we can teach them. They're out of the moment. The meal's already over. We're not entering into a power struggle that's going to result in eating or not eating or throwing food or whatever that might be. We've taken a lot of the risk out of it. And then that is a really good time to engage. Hey, you guys, Alyssa here. I'm just sneaking in really quick to let you know of the free class that I am teaching very soon. I'm going to be talking about the top three most overlooked, under talked about reasons for picky eating that are very likely happening in your home. These are sneaky reasons that you may not even realize are causing picky eating. I can't wait to teach on this information. So click the link in the description box below to learn more about this free class, snag your seat, mark your calendars, and I hope to see you there. I'd love to be able to answer your questions, plus you get a free gift for coming to hang out with me. All right, that's all for now. Click that link in the description box and I will see you soon. Back to the show. Okay, number two is we're going to talk a little bit about what if they only eat their safe food. First and foremost, and this is an entire module inside my pick eating course, so I'm not going to go super deep into it, but in there we do talk about this really, really in depth, and there are some strategies to put in place if this is a common experience for you. If this is a frequent thing that's happening day in and day out, and it feels like all you can do is get them to eat the safe food, I would highly encourage that you check out Table Talk, my picky eating course, because if this is a problem that is consistent, then that likely means that your child has a very few amount of foods that they're willing to eat, less than 30, which is where I recommend getting some support. And that is an excellent resource for you to learn not only the strategies to use to reverse picky eating, but also specifically how to handle if your child is only eating the safe food and what strategies to implore or employ for your child in those moments so that they're still meeting all their nutritional needs and they're slowly expanding the numbers of food and the types of foods that they're willing to eat. So that being said, check that out, the description box below. You can learn all about that. You can also take my free class. If you haven't done that, highly recommend. I talk more about it this in my free class as well. So I'll leave that in the description link um, or the description box below. There'll be a link or you can DM me the word reverse and I'll get you all set up with the free class. Um, it's about 60 minutes long, totally worth your time. People have loved it. Um, and I think it's a really great place for you to start. Okay. So back to if your child only eats the safe foods. Number one is, again, not to react. We don't want to emotionally react. And I know that can be really hard because we're watching them just eat the bread or just eat the fruit or whatever it might be. 
And that can feel really stressful, especially if we've made something special for them or we tried a new recipe or we were hoping that this was the moment they were going to try green beans or broccoli or casserole or whatever it might be. It can feel really overwhelming. But I want to encourage you that this is really normal. The reason why those safe foods are called safe foods are because they've been reliably eaten in the past. Now, I also want to encourage you that safe food does not mean favorite food. So I'm not talking about we put mac and cheese on the side of every single dish. We don't want a favorite food. We want a safe food, a food that they've recognized, that they understand what it is. They know how it tastes. They know how it will fill up their belly. They know how they'll feel after they eat it. They uh, have reliably eaten it in the past. That is what I mean when I say safe food. So again, this is not a favorite food. So I would not say, you know, if your child loves chocolate, right, or candy, candy is not a safe food. Even though technically they've reliably eaten in the past, they recognize it, they like it, you know, whatever that might be, it's not a safe food because it's not nutritionally substantial in any way, shape, or form, right? And we know that. And we would not be okay with them just filling up their belly on this food. So we need to pick a food that has some nutrition, a food that they've reliably eaten in the past, and that we would be okay if that's all they ate. And we have to actually be okay if this is the only food that they eat. Now, again, if this is happening frequently, then that becomes a different issue, right? That's a different topic. But if this is happening here and there, I want you to know that this is really normal. And this is why we have a safe food so that they can still fill up their belly. At that same rate, the safe food is also supposed to be a transitional food that helps them not only eat something, but to kind of take the edge off the hunger that then makes them more open to try new foods. Because once we start, it's really easy to keep going, right? Like what's what's in motion stays in motion, right? It's kind of a similar um, feeling. It's kind of based off the same strategy. And so we really want to encourage that safe food. So when your child asks for more safe, more of the safe food, I would encourage you to listen back. You can scroll all the way back. It's an early episode of when to say no. Listen to that episode. It kind of outlines of when you should say no to more safe foods, but more often than not, you should be saying yes. If you offer a food, it's then in your child's kind of realm of their roles of how much of that food they'll eat. Now, there's some limitations, right? Like they're not going to eat 15 rolls at the dinner table. We probably only made six or whatever it might be. But when we offer a safe food, we then let our child decide how much of that food they're going to eat. Now, that does not mean that they instantly get refills every second that they ask for that food. We can take our time. We can slow down. We can bring them more when they need it. But also when we've had our fill of the food, this is a back and forth. This is a dance. This is not like a you demand and I fulfill, right? This is a dance back and forth, which is really important. A quick moment to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Breastfeeding Blueprint, which is a self-paced course to help you reach your breastfeeding goals. It's created by my friend and fellow registered dietitian and lactation consultant, who I trust immensely, Brooke Miller. Plus, she is offering my listeners $50 off her course when you enroll using my code NFL50 at the link below. If you are looking for clarity and concise advice and help to help breastfeeding go smoothly, this course is for you. In fact, even as a mom of three, I still needed to reference her course a few times when I had mastitis, a clogged duct, and wasn't getting quite as much milk from my left as I was from my right. I was able to reference her course and get updated and clear information to help me avoid going on antibiotics or losing my supply. This course can help you get clarity on common questions like medications, alcohol, caffeine, teas, supplements, birth control, all while breastfeeding so that you can be confident that you are making safe decisions for you and your baby without compromising your supply. 
I cannot recommend it enough. And you can enroll today by clicking below and using my code NFL50 to get $50 off. Okay, now back to the show. Okay, number three, how to respond if your little one is not happy with how you're handling picky eating. And this actually came up in my free training. Someone asked this question where they said, well, if I do that, then my little one's not gonna be happy. There's gonna be tears. They're gonna be upset. They're gonna be, you know, X, Y, Z. My free training and my course and my podcast and my Instagram, in no way, shape or form, do I guarantee that it will be tear-free. In no way, shape or form, do I guarantee that your child is gonna like it. In no way, shape, or form am I going to say that your child is going to be jumping up and down at the strategies that you are using. In fact, there's going to be a little bit of tension. There's going to be a little bit of frustration, especially if things have become a habit or things have become um, maybe entitlement that your child believes that they are entitled to certain things at certain times, and that is no longer the case. They're likely going to be upset, but upset and learning is more important or more effective than letting them continue to be picky, right? Like we can understand that anytime we're gonna change boundaries, change habits, change the environment in our home, there's gonna be some growing pains. And so I'm not saying that our intention is to make our kid upset. Our intention is never to have our kid bouncing off the walls, crying, upset, throwing things because we've done something or because we've said something, but we are the parents and we have to set boundaries that are both reasonable and fair and are for the health and well-being of our child. And sometimes that's uncomfortable for our child, especially if they're new right? And this is why there, of course, are people who, you know, say, oh, my child is never picky because I did X, Y, Z. That's not always true, right? Like even if you get everything right from the beginning, our child can still have picky eating. And that's another episode for another day. It is not the parent's fault. It is not the child's fault. There are some children who are more predisposed to having picky eating. Again, something I teach more in depth in my free, in my free class that you can check out, but kind of getting off track here. The focus is if we start different boundaries from the beginning, it's not painful for them, right? Like if we never let them eat food while they're watching a show, Tuesday morning isn't gonna roll around and they're gonna be like, why won't you let me have my Cheerios while I watch my show? Because they didn't come to expect that, right? But if they're in a season of they've only been eating with a show on and then we decide to change something, they're probably gonna be upset. There's gonna be some pushback on that. That is normal and that is actually their job to push back on our boundaries, believe it or not. I know that's uncomfortable for us as parents to hear, but it's true. And so A, you're not alone if you've created habits that have maybe served you at one point in time or served your child at one point in time, but no longer are serving you or are not leading you as in the direction you wanna be in. 100% have been there too, will continue to be there. We'll always be reassessing and readdressing different habits and routines that we formed in our house that are no longer serving us. And that's important and healthy to do so. But in changing those habits, there will be some frustration. And there will be times where we feel like, is this really worth it? Oh my gosh, they're really upset. They're not, you know, talking to me. They're not, they're screaming. They're throwing their food. They're upset. Is this really worth it? Now there are parenting, you know, issues that we can handle in the moment for things like food throwing and all of that sort of things. But at the end of the day, I don't ever want to give off the the expectation that there's going to be no tears and no frustration and no 
pushback from our little ones when we are changing something in our home. What I do want to encourage you is that it will be short-lived and it will be worth it. So if we think about, you know, back to the screens example, uh, screens, if you don't know already, I think I have a podcast episode this on this, you can go back and listen to, but screens actually do contribute to pickiness. And so if we are constantly having screens around mealtimes, they're disassociating with the food and it's going to limit the types of foods that they like to eat and engage with, and they're going to get pickier and pickier. And even though they might eat more, a lot of parents will will report that they eat more, they'll have a more limited variety of foods that they will be be willing to eat. And our goal is actually not to have our kids eat more, you know, maybe for some of you, but we don't actually want them to eat more. We want them to eat the right amount for their body and for their growth development and health wise, right? We don't want them to overeat. Just like we don't want them to undereat, we don't want them to overeat. And I know for parents who are struggling with undereaters, you're like, I don't care, I would take overeating. But then as soon as you have that problem, it's another problem to fix. So we want them to actually be able to listen to their body and eat enough and then stop, right? And so that's really important. So with screens, going back to this, let's say this is a habit we formed in our house. By the way, 100% happened here too. 2020, you better believe I was having my son watch a show and have lunch every once in a while for me to get some peace and quiet and some alone time and read my book and sit down with my feet up or whatever it might be um, during pregnancy, another time where I would maybe throw on a show while they're eating or whatever. So absolutely has been a habit in our home too. Um, just so you know, you're not alone. But if that's a problem, right, we know that that contributes to pickiness. And now we want to tackle pickiness. Well, that means we have to get rid of the screens during mealtimes. Do you think that that's going to be like well accepted? Like no matter what you do, there isn't a parenting expert in the world that's going to get you a tear-free experience. Now, it might be a more pleasant experience, and we can talk about that. It might be an easier experience, but it's going to be filled with a little bit of pushback, some strife, right? But if we can see beyond this day or two, and it's oftentimes, I will tell you, the length of time that the pushback happens is so much shorter in real life than it is in our heads. Like we're going to think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be fighting this battle for a year. I'm going to be fighting this battle for three weeks. And it's actually like a day or two. (laughs) And oftentimes that's something I've learned in parenting is it's tough for a day or two and maybe a week, you know, but then it really does turn around. And so I would encourage you, you know, just to remember that what's the outcome. Okay. If, if we're relying on screens right now and it's making picky eating worse and it's digging us in a bigger hole and then I I tackle the screens and I take them away during mealtimes, it might be painful for a day or two, but what are we gaining? Well, we're reversing picky eating. We're getting them more engaged with different foods. They're open to try new foods. They're more adventurous. They're healthier because they're eating more diverse foods. Their gut health is better, which is going to affect their mental health, less tantrums, better sleep, less uh, less getting sick over especially these winter months, right? So all of those benefits are going to far outweigh the little pushback you might get in the moment. And so I want to encourage you that this is not a tear-free, struggle-free, strife-free program, what it is, is you saying, I know what my boundaries are. I'm going to hold those boundaries because there's something better waiting for me on the other side of this strife. And we know how important nutrition is in these first few years of life during development, right? We know how important that is. And so when we can hold those two things in in our life and learn how to prioritize them based on our capacity, based on what's going on in our life, based on the world, the state of the world, based on our kids' needs, based on our needs, based on what we have um, the knowledge and, and fortitude for, it becomes a lot easier to parent when we hold these things up and we say, okay, this is something I want to tackle now versus, you know what? I know this needs to be tackled. Not today. Right. And that's a really important distinction to know as parents, not everything can be done today and that's okay. So I just want to encourage you. 
now there is a way for you to do this in a way that feels good. And that is where I do make a promise. (laughs) When you take my course, I teach you how to hold those boundaries in a way that you feel good about how you're doing it. That doesn't mean your kid isn't going to be angry with you or frustrated with you, but you know what? Sometimes that's love, right? Love doesn't feel like love to our kids in the moment. Just like when they're running in front of a car and we have to grab their arm and pull them back. That doesn't feel good but we just saved their life, right? They almost got hit by a car and we had to yank back on their arm and pick them up. And maybe that felt scary to them and maybe even physically hurt a little bit, but you are doing something out of love, right? And so it's a good reminder for us as parents to say, love is bigger than this. Love is bigger than friendship with my kid. Love does not mean I never make them cry or they never have an emotional reaction. Love is holding them in the midst of that emotional reaction because we know this boundary is ultimately for their good. And so I want to encourage you as a parent that if you feel like you're getting it wrong because your kid's crying a lot, I'm not saying 100% you're doing it right because they're crying a lot, but it may not be wrong the way that you think it is. And so It's all about perspective. It's all about learning your child and learning what works best for your child, for your home, and for you, and what information you have to be armed with so that you know what your boundaries are. You know what's important. You know how to hold up those priorities, and you know how to go about it in a way that is ultimately for their good, not just because you want more control or you want it to be done this way, right? And that's really important too. Having the strategies in place to do it ultimately for them is so, so important. Um, Whereas a lot of times I just find parents kind of ping-ponging back between different methods or different strategies or different things that they see online or viral tips or hacks or whatever it might be. And they don't really feel like they're walking a path. It feels like they're ping-ponging all over the place, which isn't great for our kids either. They need that kind of consistency. They need that strategy. And ultimately, they need to be able to see that this is for my good. And they may not be able to see it today. (laughs) They might not be able to see it even in a year from now. But looking back, and I think a lot of us can do that now with our parents of how we were raised around the table, looking back, we can say, okay, this was for my good. Or they thought that was for my good, but ultimately it led to this, right? And so we kind of want to have that perspective as well as how can I show up for my child in a loving, like deeply loving and kind way not necessarily a way that just avoids hurting them, like their feelings or making them upset or shaking the emotional like uh, uh, walls for them, actually building emotional tolerance and strength amongst hardship, amongst not getting exactly what they want when they want it, but knowing that ultimately it's for their good. I hope this is making sense to you. I hope this episode was helpful. If it was, be sure to share it. I'm going to link some of those uh different resources that I have for you in the description box below. And of course, like I said at the beginning, come over and follow me on Instagram and we can hang out there and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at nutrition for littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at Alyssa at nutrition for littles.com. All right. Until next time, mamas.